Welcome to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Passano. Airing live on the United Public Radio Network, 105.3 FM in New Orleans. To the third tonight segment of the other round, we are broadcasting live on United Public Radio Network, QFO, Paranormal Radio Network, 105.3 and 107.7 FM from New Orleans. We are fully sponsored by the amazing people over at Folgers Coffee, who have been on this journey with us since the very beginning. So thank you, Folgers. We couldn't do it without you, nor would we want to. Also, truly grateful for... Dr. Snickersonic Surgeon, a.k.a. Justin Snicker, for the intro that we just heard. So he graciously contributed his voice, his time, and his music, and we love it. So he's an award-winning composer, violin, more sci-fi, and dark wave electronic music, which can be found on all of your favorite music streaming platforms. Also, big thank you to Steve McGinnis, the artist behind the banners and logos here at the show. Check him out on Facebook and Instagram. Also, so, specializes in bar genre. Oh, God, guys, and the very bad sound, huh? I don't know what's going on with all of this tonight. Let me just have a little... Does that sound a little bit better? Um, it, no. It's no. from me. Can you hear it? I can't hear anything. I have nothing but static, and I can't even hear what you're saying. Like, I can't even... Okay, let me let me pop out and come back in. I'm, I'm going to do that, but I mean... Oh, me. Let me go first. Let me go first, guys. Oh, Hold on. Okay. It's just, oh, Michelle, ouch, sound. Okay, Dolly has it, too. See, now I don't hear it. What do you know? Serious space weather. Is that what it is? Hello, son. Hello, Janice. Hello, Dolly. Well, hello. Dolly, yeah, it's How is the sound now? It's you. Oh, because when you went off, yeah, Sun says I'm fine. It's you. Dolly said it's you. Really? Is this is this so sad? My voice is terrible. It's all, all static. It's your jumble. Well, you don't know now. I'm just trying. Okay. That's so bizarre. So I'm still sounding muffled. Yeah. It's very, very staticky. I was fine when I wasn't on StreamYard, remember? Yeah. And when the music was playing, I was fine. I restarted and I went out and I changed everything. Yeah. Static and monster sound. Um, if I restart now, the whole show goes down. Just oh, say. Oh, no, no kidding. Put your mute, put your mute on. Okay, one second. Yep, and now there's no no more static. So it's coming from your end. Check your microphone. I am. It's so strange because we don't have any of this. Yeah, if Michelle can't, like if we can't hear Michelle, we're done. I can't go for two hours with this, that I can tell you. Wow. It's nasty. Okay. 
I'm gonna let you listen to it. Okay, see if you can hear it. Okay. Yeah. Can you hear it? Mm. Holy cow. So it's your output. Okay, hold on. Give me a second. Give me a second. Give me a second. Oh, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Yeah, um, output. Huh. Oh, it's, it hurts. <laughs> yeah, I can't figure it out. I can't figure out why it would be. I mean, I'm. Is that a little better? Like because when you played the intro, there was no noise at all. It's just coming from your end. You have a different mic. Is your is your ear thing? Yeah, it's all in my really well. I don't understand why it sounds it's acting you, up. You sound synthesized. Between all of that. Well, I don't know, guys. I don't know who. So all I can do is that you keep going. Oh. Ah, but I don't have any chance. What do you want me to do? Yeah, I'm not doing this without you. <laughs> wow, that is. I wonder if you just switch microphones. Um, I know it's like I had it too with my earbud beaker. There's like it's picking up. It's almost like when you pick up noises on a baby monitor. Like that kind of. I don't know. Okay, all I can do is restart and come back in. So if you want to just keep talking, I'll message you. Sure. Huh? Sure, I'll talk. I'll talk to everyone in the chat room. <laughs> I don't mind. Go ahead. Okay, I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. This show, so we can't do it without her. Um, <laughs> I honestly thought it was me. I was, oh, no, we do not need a big shot, screenshot of my face. But I honestly thought it was me because it was only when I went in. But how is it sounding with me just here? Like, I'm not hearing any feedback right now. If I drop off, if I drop off, the whole show's gone. You mean me, Dolly, or did you mean Michelle? Because I know if I drop off, I'm it's it's over. Like it's the whole thing will be gone. But um, okay, good, good. I'm glad. So, how's everybody doing? How's everything going? I need some conversation here. Um, we're really excited to have Kathleen back. It's been a while see what's been going on with her and all her um if you've if you follow along with her you know all about her discovery and everything that's been going thanks son um yeah and what's happening in your neck of the woods i mean here it's pretty darn cold in southern ontario but we still don't have any snow although we're seeing it on the east coast which is really funny um but we're still okay here just really cold and everybody getting ready for Christmas. How's everything going there? Aw, that's nice. You got to see your daughter today. How nice. That's good. That's why you were baking yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's cold. East Coast is really cold. But I'm really happy that we don't have... Um... Hi, Tamara. How are you doing? It's good to see you back this week, Tamara. I was so worried about you. Haven't seen you in a while on there. So, um, yeah, I... It's it's a little it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere but the weather here. So are you guys ready 
Okay. There's Michelle. Okay. Yay! What the freaking hell was that all now about? Now you're normal. <laughs> we were just talking about Christmas. But, oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, one picture of my face is not a good idea. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm just wow, gonna... that's Oh, that's Hold so on here because I have to get a lot of things back up and running. Oh, I hope you so feel better. It has been under the weather. Okay, one second. Yeah. Uh, so no, that's really good. Hello, Guardian. Back up here. And there we go. There we go. All right. I'm going to bring. Ooh. Okay. Well, I yeah, guess I'm going to go back. Can you hear me okay, right? Yeah, perfectly. Okay. So, did well, did you change your microphone? No, I did a restart. Don't ask me why. I have no clue. That's yeah. what Dolly said. You, I don't know. You know I what? Know. I thought it was me because I had two studios. It it double clicked, so I had two going. So then I got offline and I restarted, and I'm like, what the heck? Then I was giving you the thumbs up during the the beginning, of the intro, and then as soon as your mic went on, I'm like, holy crap! Yeah. I don't know because I don't hear it. I have noise cancellation. I hear none of it. So what I'm going to do is yeah. introduce, you know, um, you know who our guest is <clears throat> because <clears throat> now it's me for sure. <laughs> um, tonight, we are welcoming back uh, Dr. Kathleen Ann Ball. She's been on the show a few times. She's going to be discussing and touching on her book, which is newly released called A Grail Quest discovery of a Knights Templar cave in Brazil. Mm -hmm. Now she's discussed this before. There's a documentary out on Gaia. I think she's looking at doing a sequel, um, but she's had a lot of research and stuff in between, which is why she's going to be joining us to sort of catch us up, I guess you could say. <laughs> so as long as we can make it through all of this, I think we'll be okay. Mm -hmm. I think everything is still intact. Mm -hmm. Sounds really Not good. Not just me, but I had a whole pile of pictures up <laughs> so oh i, I know. know it I happens know. But, okay i don't know what happened you know i don't know dolly we're getting any cmes <laughs> it's like you know yeah. because they, i hope they, they mentioned um, um an earthquake in mexico i hope everybody's okay i haven't watched the news so i'm not aware of oh. what's going on oh i know so. holy god i'm no ah uh, ha ha very funny <laughs> No longer no, master master. Master. Thank you. It it was yeah. I've never heard. You know when I when the last time I heard something like that when we were working on with the box. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, and oh, that was just like wait a minute. <laughs> Growlies? Is that what you're no, saying? No, no. The oh, I just this is crazy. I have no idea. You know, like I'm yeah. showing strong internet. I'm showing everything is going. I'm plugged right in. I don't have wireless no, I know. anything. I don't know what it was. It could be just a cross connection or something with StreamYard when you, you know, storms. storms. Yeah, but it, everything's uh, working yeah. when she wasn't on the board. So I see. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. So now we're waiting for Kathleen. I'm not oh. far from Michelle, so it should be affecting me too. Okay. And it's not. Link sent. I'm wondering if she's having problems. <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> I'm not either because we're freaking in February. Yeah, I'm just grateful that, you know, <laughs> you're back because otherwise it would have been canceled. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's not like I can do anything from here. So 
<laughs> you're on the show. That's all you need. You're gonna no, have no, guests. I'm saying like oh. I, I wouldn't be able to post pictures for it. You have everything on your side. I, I have, have everything. I know. Hey, yeah, like, I wouldn't be able to do it. Hi. I know. So well, that's our why. guest is here now. So now we can Yay. get the show on the road. We can and, get this uh, going yeah. and just ignore the first five minutes. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> That's so Aww, Thank you, Sharon. Love oh you. Oh my goodness. We couldn't be doing what we're doing without all of you guys. It's true. You guys make it that much more fun. And we know our guests love you guys too. You're so supportive. So thank you. Uh, various earthquakes all over the place. Well, I'm just hoping it's not here or in uh, California with Kathleen. <laughs> so watch the show so go down sad. one way or another. So <laughs> yeah. And here she is. I can draw stick people. That's it. Hi, Hi, how are you? Hi, Michelle. How are you? Good. Good. How are you? you. Hi. How are you doing, sweetheart? I'm doing wonderful, Amelia. Good. How are you? How's your daughter? She's okay, thanks. She's, you know, hurtling, but hopefully getting Good. there. Thank you for asking. How's your family? Yeah, I saw your, your pictures. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're get, I'm getting ready to go to um, my daughter-in-law is donating one of her kidneys to her father. So we're going to be going for that transplant. We're leaving on the 12th or 13th. Beautiful okay. gift. I mean, it depends on, on the weather. Back to Oklahoma for that. So Yeah. I wish yeah. her all the best. And if she has any questions, please forward her my way. Because Absolutely. thank you. The one thing I did learn through this process is that they don't give you the information until you get there. Yeah. They don't right. give you anything until you get to that stumbling point because it's just too overwhelming. So if there's anything, um, you know, even with her dad, like my daughter's the ambassador for the kidney foundation here. And okay. she helps a lot of people go through recovery because it's a recovery is a big deal. Yeah. It takes time. Right. So, yeah. But I wish them all the best. Thank I you. Really yeah, we're really yeah. hoping. You know, because my, my daughter-in-law lost a lot of family members during COVID. So, oh. is, it's like, ah, we really don't want to lose him. So No. But yeah. it's a beautiful thing what she's doing. And she will she will bounce back. Really, yeah, I think she, you know, she's relatively young, so I don't think she's going to have much of a problem, you know. No, she's we're just going to be caring for her dad, that's going to be the big thing right now. And he's going to be adjusting because he's in pretty, you know, he's not in the greatest shape, put it that way. Yeah, that that's usually what happens. My daughter was only at five or three per three percent function when she went in, so oh, wow. yeah, oh, yeah, wow. they really wait as long as they can when right. they're young. Because you have to redo this. This is you have a second one going on later in life. So, right, right. Yeah. yeah when I had my liver transplant, they, um, I was pretty sick. I'd had liver cancer for four years at the time when I had wow. the transplant. So, wow. Well, I'm glad you're here with us and, and well. Wait, what was that? I said, I'm glad you're here with us tonight and well. It's good to see your face. <laughs> Yeah, you too. You too. It's great to see both of you. Thank you. Yeah, lots of great stuff is happening. Um, things are just really taking off. My research is about connecting a lot of dots. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I went to the Disclosure Fest in Las Vegas last month and um, found that one of the, well, there's five crosses in the cave um, and 
four of them match some other glyphs in other parts of Europe and in Portugal and Spain and France. But not only that, um, it happens to be one of the symbols that was used by the Templars in their initiation process. Oh, so that's really interesting. Well, before... Yes, found that out, and it was wow connecting that dot. Apparently, this was pretty secret, and um, right, yeah. Timothy right. Hogan well, happened to open it up in his book. I, I want to get right into that, but I want for, for everybody who hasn't tuned in because I've explained you've been on before. But what I'd like to do is just a real general recap so people who are just tuning in for the first time, okay, can catch up and then. You all go have to go back and watch the archives mm -hmm. for all of the real detailed stuff. So, so why don't you just bring everyone in um, with your discovery, and then we'll continue on with all of the new stuff if you don't mind. Okay. Excellent. Right. So yeah, so I um, I was hiking in Brazil and with a girlfriend, and we were over there to actually go into a Bariana to meet John of God. I was dealing with a liver issue at that time, and he wasn't available, so we decided to go up into the Chapada, which is about three and a half hours outside north of Brasilia, and, um, and it got late. And we went through a couple clutches on <laughs> the car. And so everything is, you know, it's uh, no automatic. There's very few automatic cars over there because of the gas <laughs> prices, obviously. But anyway, so all those things, if those things hadn't happened exactly the way they did, we would not have ended up in Alta Paraiso at all. We would have ended up in, you know, in Cabo Conches, which is where we had our reservation for our Pusada. And um, it, I mean, everything strategically just led us there. It was, it was like, it was, you know, destiny. But Meant anyway, so, um, it got dark and, and my girlfriend couldn't drive at night and she was the only one licensed to drive that car. So she says, well, let's just stop someplace, you know, close. And we pulled up, a, you know, on Google, a couple towns in the area. And she said, Alta Parizo. And I said, or she said, Alta Paraiso. Anyway, and I said, that's it. That's where we're going to go. And she says, and I said, what does that mean? And she says, hi, paradise. I said, yeah, absolutely. That's where we're going. <laughs> so we go, we end up in Alta Parizo at this wonderful little Puzada. And the next morning I get up and I go out to, I, I walk into town, which wasn't far. And um, I'm talking to some of the locals and I find out that there's these magnificent waterfalls all over this area, everywhere. There's like, I don't know, 40, 50 of them. And so um, we make some plans. I go back and tell my Adele, my friend, we make plans to go to Agua Fria the following day. And we hiked all the way down to the waterfall. It was magnificent, by the way. If you ever get a chance to go into this area, the Chapada National Reserve, do it because do it. there's mm -hmm. Nothing like it on the planet. It's just a magnificent area. So we yeah. come back up from hiking, and the owner of the, the camping Pusada, which is on that property, he asks us if, if we want to see the adjacent property has a whole bunch of crystals all over it. And it has this crystal vein that is just running through the property um, about two and a half to three kilometers long. And um, we said, yeah, you know, we'd love to. 
So he, he gets a hold of the, uh, the caretaker next door and hooks us up with the guide over there. And we, we drive over there and we meet him. And he takes us on this trek about four or five kilometers down, straight down the side of the mountain. Nice. <laughs> I mean, we're in the middle of nowhere. We're in the middle of you know 800 hectares of land, which is equivalent to about 2,400 acres, right? That's crazy. Just yeah. Well, Anyway, we get we get down about four and a half, five kilometers, and there's this crystal vein, and it's about a meter in height and about a meter in width, and it's just solid crystal, and it just goes all along through this, you know, wow. this property. And all around it are probably hundreds of thousands of quartz crystals, different sizes from huge to smaller, you know, grouping clustered crystals and just I mean there's just thousands of them laying everywhere so he says you know you can pick up some and take them with you if you want and so we do we do of course um and then he and it's hot it's really hot that day so he says well there's this little cave down about another kilometer or two down the hill um you want to go over there and have some snacks and drink some water and just sort of you know refresh before we go hiking straight back up this mountain and right. of course, we agreed to do that. And we get up to this cave opening, which you can't even see it. You can't even tell it's there. It just looks like this mound. It's all really you see is it looks like rock outcropping. That's all it looks like. Anyway, we get to what turned out to be the mouth of the cave. And he reaches up the bushes. He lifts the bushes up. And I just, I mean, I literally, my mouth just dropped. And I said, Oh my God, what is a Knights Templar cross doing on this cave right smack in the middle of nowhere in, right. you know, in Alta Paris of Brazil? And he starts rattling off a bunch of stuff. And of course, it's in broken Portuguese and I don't understand a word of it. <laughs> I had to have it all translated when I got home. But um, basically, he said that it had been there for hundreds of years and that the old women still use that to go in and pray and meditate and do magic. And I was like, okay, but how does the, how do the Templars connect to this? And he didn't really understand. So that started it off. That was 2015. We couldn't get into the cave that was filled with bats and spiders. I, I just shined a light. I walked in a little ways and I shined a light and I could see that there was graffiti and it looked like, um, it looked like there were some crosses in there and I couldn't really tell, but it looked very similar to the walls in Dome, France, when I had been in the dungeon where they had held the Templars in 13, from 1307 to 1314 before they killed them. Mm -hmm. um, the, the tool markings were almost exact and the, the crosses themselves looked very, very similar. So I'm intrigued at this point, you know, I'm totally intrigued and I can't wait to, you know, to get back and find out some more information about this cave. And so I get home, we go, we go to Abadiana, that was whatever, that was an interesting experience, but um, I did not have a healing. I'll get home, nine days after I get back to the U.S., my house burns to the ground and um, all my everything, all my art, everything. I lost everything I owned and three seconds. It was wow. 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 And a six and a half weeks later, uh, I have to have a liver transplant. 
um, the liver cancer had finally caught up with me. Oh, I'm sure the stress of losing the house didn't help. Yeah, this was six and a half weeks after I lost my house. Awful. Yeah. Oh well, it was, the, it was the universe redirecting me. I didn't see it at the time. I didn't really understand what was going on. But I had a dream the night of the fire. Uh, we went over to a cabin that we had over in, in El Dorado County. And that night I had a dream that I was in the middle of the fire and I was watching everything I own being turned back into the subatomic elements. Mm -hmm. And I was handed the gift of being able to take those elements and turn it into whatever I wanted to turn it into. Mm -hmm. so, oh, that's okay. No, we love pets. We, we don't mind the pets. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's very friendly. That's, that's okay. So here this happened. You know, I have this, this transplant you know, right after the fire. And then because of the anti-rejection meds that they give you there to, are toxic, it turns out, um, it caused nerve damage and I lost a lot of hearing. Uh -huh. So I wasn't able to go back to the college to teach. I had been, I was an art professor for many, many years. And I wasn't going to be able to go back, well, A, because I was losing my hearing and B, because I had lost all my curriculum, all my artwork. I mean, I had lost everything. So um, I had a year, I decided to give myself a good solid year to recover from this operation and decide what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And um, I knew I was going to have to recreate my career and, and do something. So this cave just kept eating at me and my girlfriend's ex, her, my girlfriend's daughter's ex-husband was a, was from this very close to the area in Altapariso. And so he spoke the same dialect of Portuguese. <laughs> That's a typical cat behavior, though. That's I had okay. They knock everything down, right? They're sassy. Yeah. He's just mammaling everything. But anyway, yes. so... Um, pay attention to me. Thank you. <laughs> it's okay. So anyway, so I find out, you know, a little bit more about the cave um, that I'd been there for hundreds of years and that the people, the women were using it for um, to conduct magic spells and things. And and so I'm even more intrigued. And, I, and I'm looking through my old photos when I was in France all through Dome and I'm looking at these photos and I'm going, my God, this is a Templar cave. There's no doubt in my mind at this time. But why are the tool markings so similar to the ones I found in 1307? Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, my God, I think this cave is much older than, you know, when when Brazil was was his, the, the history that said yes. Brazil was discovered by Cabral, right, in 1500s. And I'm saying, I'm thinking, I this is older. I know this is older. So I start, I start shifting gears, and I decide, okay, so I'm gonna start taking people on tours to these places that I go. I've been traveling all over the world at this point for many years, and taking students into Europe and, you know, all over, um, and Egypt and India. And so I decide that I'm going to do that. So I think that the first thing I think is, well, I'm going to take people into this site. And the very first 
tour that I put together at that place, at that point in time, we had some political things going on and the visas were canceled. Nobody could get a visa into Brazil. And at the time you needed to have one. So there goes my tour. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, so now what am I what am I supposed to do with this this historical? I mean, I need to get this out to people. So I decided to, to make a documentary. And um, so the first thing I have to do is go back into the cave and I have to get some better footage of it. And I have to understand more about this cave. And so 2017, I go back into the area. Mm -hmm. uh, by this time I'm meeting people and making friends in Brazil. And 2017, there's a huge fire that breaks out. So here we are, fire again. Again. <laughs> and yeah. it burns, it burns fifteen hundred hectares of land all around my cave. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my so oh my I'm not gonna get back in, obviously. So I decided to take a side trip and go to Peru. I'd wanted to, I'd always wanted to go to Nazca and, and um, I wanted to get out to meet with Brian Forrester and get out to um, Paracas and see the Paracas skulls and stuff. So I did, I ended up doing that and I came back home and I connected with a film producer. Um, and so I, I said, okay, so I'm going to go back in on 2018. I found a photographer. We filmed the rediscovery of the cave, which was a three day process that he just about gave up on. Um, he was to the point where, that's it. I'm done. He, we'd been hiking for three days. You know, he was exhausted, you know, lumping all this uh, equipment around and he pretty much, he was done. <laughs> and so I said, no, I know this cave is here. I'm going to keep looking. And so I'm, you know, I'm the one hiking all over. And I said, okay, we have to go back to the crystal uh, vein. If we go to the crystal vein, I know that at some point, along this three kilometers, I'm going to recognize something and, and it's going to tell me where this cave is. So that's exactly what happened. Right. Walking up and down this crystal vein, um, both ways up and down this whole thing. And, and I looked, happened to look over and I happened to see what looked to me like the cave uh, area. And so I went running down there mm. and, and uh, he's telling me I'm crazy and everything. It was pretty funny. But anyway, so I go running down there and I find the bushes. And I, sure enough, I lifted them up and then I'm yelling at him, get down here. This is it. I found it. You know, I got it, whatever. And he, so he comes down and we get, you know, we get it on, on video tape and um, I bring it back. And we decided to do a documentary. You know, I, I had talked with this film producer. And in 2019, we started filming, we started putting together the documentary. Uh, Freddie Silva came on board. I interviewed a couple of researchers in Brazil. I went back to Portugal and I interviewed a cross expert who is also a Templar in Tomar, Portugal, who verified that it was, yes, indeed, it was a Templar cross. And mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and then there, that's that, that, that's how the story went. Right. So that pretty much, you know, that brings us up to date in terms of the discovery of the cave. But right. um, since then, I have found out so much more about the cave and about the symbols that are in it and also about the history of the Templars and the fact that they traveled globally. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Early yes. Yeah, yes. it's early as the 11th century. And right. yeah. So yes. I believe we're missing, there's a lot of places that we haven't even discovered yet where you know, they've stayed because they would have to, traveling treacherous oceans like that would mm-hmm. have to seek shelter and, and a bit of, you know, respite before traveling again to go home. Right. So right. it just makes sense. And I, and I feel like sometimes, sometimes I think they just were trying to start out in different countries to keep that kind of peace going can we just have a quick question right we we are piecing it together we're really piecing the history together and there's a lot of people on board right now you know we have you know hamilton we've got gretchen cornwall we've got timothy hogan you know we've got freddie silva myself um you know sean williamson there's a lot of people that are on board piecing this story together right now mm-hmm. and um and we're really making some headway we're really finding out some wonderful facts and history that um we're all uncovering and we're hoping you know at some point to get together with all of this research and you know and reveal it i mean we all are in our books and things anyway separately we're doing it but um but th- when we actually sit down when i went to the disclosure fest that was such a treat because I actually got to sit down with um, Timothy and with Scott Walter and just talk about all of our research. And, you know, this piece fits into this piece. And it really helped broaden, um, broaden the range of information for me and also gave me some pointers of where to look mm-hmm. and you know, who to talk to. So it, it's uh you know, it's just, it's fascinating research. And like I said, going back into the cave in 2021, again, was the last time I went back in there, um, you know, and I was able to, to photograph all of the symbols in the cave. And then that's when it really got interesting because I found those same symbols in Peniche, Portugal, in Tomar, in Spain, in Greece, and in Istanbul. Mm. So, and they're exactly the same type of cross. And then my, you know, getting together with Timothy Hogan, I found out that that specific cross that has a triangle at the bottom, Mm. signifies a specific initiation stage that is practiced and was practiced amongst the Templars and also the Masons later on. Okay, I'm just trying to see. Did you send me a picture of that by chance? Uh, yeah, the crosses, the crosses that I sent you, um, it's the ones that that are. It's a cross and it's got a triangle. Okay, it's like an upside down shield. I'm going to grab it right now just to show yeah. people. One second, I'll stop the screen on this one. One second. Okay. All righty, here we go, and bam, this one. Right. Well, this oh. is one. Okay. This one here, these two are from Peniche. Okay. These two here are from Peniche, Portugal. They are on a building, by the way, that was built in 1099. So we have reason to believe that these, this particular cross, these two crosses here literally are from 1099. Wow. The one on the left looks really familiar, Michelle. <laughs> well, it looks similar to a little bit of the, the cross of Lorraine, a little bit, but it's got... 
It's got right. the uh, circle at the bottom, and it's got the extra bar. So, what mm -hmm. do you know? What that one signifies? Um, you know this this one on the left. I'm still doing research, Interesting. and that's I'm going to be going back into Portugal. I had a trip um, scheduled for October, but as you know, we had some things happen right. um, in our family that I wasn't able to of get. Of course. To. So I had to reschedule to February, and I'm connecting with the researcher there that has some old family records, Templar family records, and also um, these crosses. I'm hoping that he's going to be able to clarify the significance of this particular cross that I see on my left. The one on the right is consistent with the ones that are in my cave, and they are a symbol of a, of a specific initiatory stage in the initiation development and stages of the Knights Templar. And I look at it and I see it as the Valencia, like as the, the, the scale. Yeah. Like the, almost like the symbol of Libra because of, you know, the, the two coming down from that, but that's because I'm not educated in Templar, but I'm saying mm -hmm. just to my eye, that's what I would see. But Dolly right. says the triangle represents the Delta symbol. Yeah. Yeah, well, this this one on the right, um, it, it actually represents the 27th, uh, you know, there's 33 degrees. It actually uh, represents the 27th degree of initiation. So, um, mm. if you, you know, there's more, you can get even more information on that in Timothy Hogan's book. Um, what is it? A novus. Um, I can't think of the name. It's a, anyway, look up Timothy Hogan and it's, um, it's one of his, his books that he's put out recently. Yeah. The three, six, nine is also a few. Dolly's out. father. Yeah. I was a Templar. Yes. So, yeah. Um, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. The three, six, nine is also Fibonacci theory. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're in great company, Kathleen. <laughs> so. Yeah. My so, great, 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 great said, uncle is Fibonacci, Kathleen. <laughs> yeah, this, the symbols in this cave are just coming to life. And there's another one that looks sort of like a star. And that turns out that that was actually dates back, goes back into Lemuria. And it was called the Lemurian star. It's what okay. we refer so, to it as now. Do I have that, that one here? Also, that also represents um, initiation. So, okay. I'm just going to show a couple that you sent. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll just, far. we'll just take some, hold on. Cause there's another one there. Okay. All right. There we go. Bear with me just so we can, I just want to make sure we get them all out. Uh, we'll just, we'll just spend just a little bit of time with them and you can go ahead and talk about them and then we can move on. There okay. we go. Okay. Wow. Yeah, okay. Now this, this, these crosses in here, you see the same cross style awesome. with the triangle at the bottom. Yeah. This is exactly what is in my cave. This yep. here is on the wall in Dome, France. And these were carved by the Knights Templar between 1307 and 1314. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written and translated by recognized Japan expert, Dr. Heath Havey. 
season one relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. Do we know why there are so many? Does it represent each one that's been there or... Well, we this, know could yet? Be, this could be significant of the people that, you know, the members that were in there, the Templar yes. members that were in there as they completed this initiatory, this 27th initiation um, that could have been completed for that reason. I don't know. We weren't right. there, obviously. No, but, I, no. I was just wondering if anybody had any information on that for you because they're all identical. So you wouldn't know which Templar made that carving and right it's very interesting okay let me go to the next there's so many of them i can't get over how many that does lead to your theory i believe that right yeah i'm really gathering and i have i have quite a bit more evidence too um you know i i interviewed the kalunga people while i was there in 2021 i had been invited to come into there which is come into their tribe, into their community, which is, uh, you know, it, it's like interviewing for a, for a major, for a big time corporate job or something. Right. First you're interviewed by a, a gentleman, a young gentleman or two, and then you get to meet an older person, an older gentleman usually, and then you get to be, then they take you to a home that's in Alta Parizo, but right. it's through the people. And then if you pass that test, you get to go into the village. <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Right. I, right. I passed the test. Right. It. Well, it was it was meant for you. It was meant for you to be there. Yes. It was yeah, meant for me absolutely. So and then right before I left to go into the to go into the village itself, a couple of the locals come and they tell me, well, you know, there's a lot of people that don't that have never been seen again. <laughs> that's good to know oh, that's geez, just very comforting security. <laughs> thanks for that the Kalunga people they were this particular village of people were from royalty from Africa and they got off the, the slave ships just as they landed and they ran they took off and they went into Altapariso not all the Kalunga some of the Kalunga were just escaped slaves that came into this area um, and guess where they guess where they hid when they ran in the 1500s? <laughs> Your cave? <laughs> yeah. Not just that one cave, but they also told me there was other caves. There are more caves. Right. So oh, the next time I go back, you couldn't possibly house all of them. Yeah. So the next time I yeah. go back, they're going to take me and show me these other caves because they're oh. on their land in Cabo Concha. So, That's exciting, isn't so have it? So have you looked at any of the caves? So, or are you so just- this, this, what this does, though, is it moves my dates back to before the 1500s because they told me these caves had already been there when they arrived. These caves were there when they arrived in the 1500s. They used them for as shelter until they could start building their little villages and things. And, and they were in hiding. They were in hiding for several hundred years before mm. the Portuguese government finally acknowledged them 
and gave them some land <coughs> now. So there's a lot of um, people, a lot of Portuguese citizens that immigrated to to Brazil. Yes, that's yes. why the official language is Portuguese. Too. Right. So yeah, mm -hmm. no, I have exactly. a lot of Portuguese friends that have family there. Right. Yeah. And there's typically, you know, typically just about everybody that you talk to in Brazil has family in Portugal. So I have to, because it's the only country in that entire continent where they don't speak Spanish. They speak Portuguese. Absolutely. So, so yeah, the rest of the country speaks Spanish. Right. It's the only one. It's the only South American yeah. country that speaks Portuguese. Yeah. Yeah. I have family in Argentina and I'm like, I look at it and I'm like, Venezuela, Chile, everybody speaks Spanish, <laughs> Brazil. But I think it's, I think it's, it's um, historic. It's just beautiful for Portugal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it is. They have that. That's wonderful. I'm extremely it's, curious about the symbols you found. Brazil itself is just an absolutely gorgeous <sighs> country. I absolutely love Brazil. I've been there like six or seven times now. I go back just about every year. I have friends there now. In fact, I have, I was just contacted by some people that want to build me a house over there. <laughs> nice. No, oh my nice. gosh. They I want to stay. So. Yeah. Um, so it just may happen. Yeah. Who knows? I may retire in Brazil. Good uh, for you. If I, I would. retire, God knows that that, you know, if I ever do retire, but. Yeah, <laughs> that's hard, but at least it's a nice place to retire. Um, how did you know about the symbols? Um, that traced back to ancient Lemuria, because the ancient Lemurians were said to have made their way over to South America. Yeah. Well, they, it turns out I also have a, a researcher that contacted me and wants me to come to this little museum in Peru. Um, and he claims to have, and he showed me pictures, he claims to have some chain mail and some Templar artifacts um, that look to me like they could be somewhere between 11th and 13th. 1300s oh, um, so yeah. there's there's every reason to believe um, that the Templars were probably traveling throughout South America you right. have to remember that when they did finally announce the discovery of Brazil they didn't call it Brazil they called it Veracruz and they told all the other monarchies in Europe that it was an island and the reason they did that is because they didn't want anybody thinking that it was a huge massive continent because they wanted the rights to it and they wanted to explore it, which is what I believe they did. Makes right. sense. Right. Yeah. And, right. And, then, and then we get to throw, you know, the wonderful surprise into the whole mix. And uh, I, I found out on my third trip over there that my cave outside of Alta Parizo is actually a gold mine. Wow. <laughs> It's a gift that keeps on giving. You need to start carving. <laughs> Just like. Right? Well, it, fits, it fits into this scenario. If the Templars were going back and forth and mining gold, because what was happening in 1300s is all of the monarchies throughout Europe were broke. They had been contributing to the Crusades, trying to take back the Holy Land, and they were broke. This was the reason why King Philip the Fair went after the Templars to begin with. Right, because he wanted, he owed him right. a bunch of money, and and he also wanted what they had. So yeah, he did. He wanted the land and everything. But yeah. Portugal, Portugal was not broke. Hmm. Portuguese king King Dennis in 1307 they was well. not broke. 
He was building. He built a fort in Peniche, a nautical, and it was basically a nautical college or fort in Peniche mm. that was manned by the Templars, which he later renamed the Knights of Christ in what, 1314, um, right. when they were, you know, they were officially disbanded. That's but he was still building. They weren't broke. King Dennis was not broke. So they had to be getting an influx of gold and silver from somewhere. Mm. And we know that there were numerous silver mines throughout um, Peru. And now we know that there were gold mines in Portugal, I mean, in Brazil. So I think this is, you know, it makes perfect sense. I think that not only were the Templars traveling between the 11 and 13, 13, 1400s, back and forth from uh, Peniche into Bahia. Mm -hmm. And I think they were originally escorted by the Amazonian tribes, Mm -hmm. uh, given that tip in Portugal by one of my fellow researchers, that the Amazonian tribes were the ones that actually led them from the coast in coastal, you know, into so other places. You figure they came across the bottom then, as Pardon? opposed to you figure they came across the bottom as opposed to coming in across the top, like the northern part of North America down right. the coast. Okay, right. that's interesting. Yes, that's, and, that's quite the journey. Right, and according to um, my friend, you know, my re- a researcher over there, that the current Templars also took a trip that started in Central America and went all the way into the coast of Brazil to Bahia. And they traveled. That's what they think was the same route that the Templars took. But what was interesting that he told me is that they were following stones that the Templars had placed throughout that whole area. And they left Mason marks on those stones. So this is this is so exciting to me because yes. I've also I've also been uh, invited. I was invited into the Amazonian tribal people in 2021, um, which was totally exciting, and um, and so I am going to ask them to take me on that route because I want to photograph all of those Templar stones, all those rocks and things with the with the mason marks. Right. Now, what I found out recently is that talking with some researchers at the Disclosure Fest, that those mason marks were not necessarily mason marks. They were um, they were put there to communicate. They were directional um, marks to to basically they were codes basically for the later Templars to follow to be able to get back into Alta Paraíso. Wow. It's fascinating that with all the growth, you know, right. uh, in the forest that you would have found all those, those marks, all those stones and those mason marks, especially right. in a trail. And so, you know, I, I want to go on that track myself. I want to follow that path myself and see them and photograph them and try to understand what this language, you know, what this, these symbols were. Uh, were signif- what they signified. Mm-hmm. And, and they were obvious. This is what's interesting, too, is they were obviously let, left there and carved into these, these stones for later Templars to follow. Mm-hmm. And so that, that also goes, goes along with the prophecy that the Templars would return in 700 years, which they did because I was there 
in 2019 right. for that reunification ceremony that they had in, in uh, Tomar, Portugal, where they mm -hmm. all came together and signed that pact in Armoral. Right. And then they had the follow-up procession in Tomar. I filmed that whole thing. Right. So, so that, that corroborates that, you know, and it's like, okay, so the Templars really did reunify 700 years later and they're stronger now than they ever were. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's interesting because I think, you know, when you think about the fact that they never really were, they never disbanded at all, even after 1314, you know, but they I, were all, they, they were going like way before they were going way before what we were led to believe, you know, bringing five guys to the Holy land. Come on. It just is not a thing. Five you know? guys doesn't like they sound don't, right. They were already there as the hospitalities, <laughs> right? And then, yeah. and then there's, there was a whole Templar community right. in Portugal, and it's just being misled, is what I'm saying. Like you know, it's it's selective. We don't need to know. It's on a need to know basis. We didn't need to know. But now that all of this is coming to light, you know, researchers like yourself, Freddie Silva, especially. I mean, you know, 19 years in writing. My gosh. You know, Templar nation, yeah. yeah. So it's like, come on, but things make sense. So now they can't really suppress the information because it's the evidence is starting to surface. Yes. Who's trying to keep it from getting out, though? Is it, is it the Masons? Is it the Templars? Is it the Church? I don't know. Who is but it? Freddie found a lot when he was on the show. He really yeah, the found a lot. Always been. They've always recognized very similar to where the, the Masons and the Rosicrucians do. They've acknowledged all religions. And what I believe their ultimate agenda is to create a sovereign world where we are all, you know, accepting of each other. And similar to what Portugal, you know, the Templar nation that the Portugal, that the yes. Templars created in Portugal. If you go into Portugal, there's still, you know, uh, medieval uh, festivals that are dedicated to all of the different nationalities, yes. religious backgrounds, economic right. backgrounds of the people that created Portugal. And there's, I mean, you see Moors, you see Sufi, you see every mm -hmm. kind of influence, you see Islam, mm -hmm. you see Druid, you see um, Cathar, you see yes. all these, yeah, you see all of these, um, you know, people that represent these different nationalities and groups that were all protected by the Templars in Portugal. They mm -hmm. had created the only country in Europe yes. where, right, that, that, <clears throat> that kept the Inquisition at bay and they protected these people that the church were calling heretics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. Well, the Inquisition had its place. It did its damage for sure, but nothing like the and, rest and of so, Europe. You know, I, I honestly believe that that's what their ultimate agenda is, is to bring about, you know, heaven on earth, whatever you want to call it, um, the second coming, whatever you want to call it. But a, a time in history <clears throat> that is still in our future, obviously, because we're yes. still doing all this crazy stuff. Right. Uh, a time in history where we have harmony and respect for each other and can actually focus on our spiritual growth um, and on our potential, fulfilling our potential as human beings, as human species that have both a, a physical aspect 
and a spiritual aspect to us so that we can actually, you know, we can actually fulfill that potential at some point. And I really believe that that's what the ultimate Templar agenda is. Well, they were the keepers, you know, of, of lost knowledge, you know, from the old mystery schools. I mean, you know, when they were on that Temple Mount, they weren't just looking for artifacts. They were looking for, they were looking for knowledge and they found it and they applied it. And they're still today the keepers of all of that. Absolutely. You know, and um, <laughs> I, I, I'm convinced they found Phoenician maps because, the Phoenicians were traveling all over the globe, you know, yes. before anybody that we know of in modern history. Um, yes. And I think that those maps fell into the hands of the Templars at that point. And I also don't think that it was accidental because some of the research that I've uncovered now in the Rosicrucian Library indicates that there were a band of knights created during the building of the second temple in Jerusalem by Zerubbabel. Mm protect the builders of the temple. And what my research, this is why I'm so excited about going to Portugal, right. is I think I may have connected at least one or more of the family <clears throat> as being descendants, the Templars that, that originated in 1040, 1090, by the way, I'll get into that in a minute, um, may have actually descended from original families that were knights from this order that Zerubbabel put together in 600 BC. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that they were over in the Holy Land blindly. I think that they knew exactly what they were doing. They were absolutely absolutely. They, they they had genealogy, and I think that they had oral traditions that were passed down to them. Yeah. And I think they knew exactly what they were getting, what they were after over there. Oh, 100%. It didn't just start off with, you know, Absolutely. five knights that went in and <laughs> trying to migrate, you know, hundreds and thousands and of people it. across it's the Holy it. Land. Five guys can't do that. Nine guys can't do that. Five guys can't get across town without stopping. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. they don't ask for directions. No. So I'm sure it was a lot more than that. No, absolutely I mean, not. Who's going to stay in some broken down stables when they could have stayed in the palace? <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, they were certainly invited to stay at the palace, but they yes. requested to stay in the stables. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes. No, exactly. Exactly. You know, there's, there's just so, there's so much that's out there and it's all starting to surface. And, and, and there's some stuff that will be kept at bay that only select few will be made privy to. And the time may come. I hope it's in, you know, my lifetime where that knowledge can be freely shared but it, it's one of those things along with great knowledge comes great responsibility i'm having a spider-man moment <laughs> you know but, but i think someone true. said it before spider-man <laughs> you know but yeah so it's, it's you know, just when, when i was there during the procession i literally as i was walking down from the castle the convent of cristo which was a templar strongholds back you know back then in, in the medieval times um all mm -hmm. the way up through the knights of christ during the time there there were knights of the christ um while i was walking along with these templars dirt through this procession down into town to the saint john church saint john the baptist and then finally we ended up at the church dedicated to mary magdalene by the way 
and lit the cross, I was literally weeping because I was so, it touched me so deeply because I felt like something in me was being reborn along with everyone there was feeling the same thing because you if I looked into the eyes of these people and by the way there were both male and female templars in this procession that's right this was interesting and when you look into their eyes and you just you can see the same feeling that I felt the same feeling that I was feeling that I could see reflected in their eyes this mm-hmm. just this tremendous joy for to be there at this time in history rebirthing the templars but not just rebirthing a templar you know band of of templars but a global organization again where mm-hmm. they were all there they're all now working together towards a common agenda and i mean this was this was one of the most powerful events in my entire life mhm mhm of course yeah i agree. I think, I think they were doing it way back then. I mean, so many people figured that all these different nations, these different countries were warring with one another. It's like, no, they weren't warring. You know, the Muslim Templars weren't at war with the Christian Templars. I mean, you read about the sharing of knowledge between them. I won't say you didn't have, you know, you every group's got their you know, they're bad seeds, so to speak. But on an average, this information was all shared information. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, the the Phoenicians did the same thing. If you think about it, the Phoenicians accepted people from all different walks of life and all religious backgrounds and all the same thing, you know. So this, this this was not something new. This was not, you know, this was an idea that had had begun in well, who knows where it began, but it was mm-hmm. practiced in Phoenicia, and uh, the Phoenicians practiced it, and the Templars got, you know, obviously got these records, and I think that um, it went along with their agenda, and they probably studied how they went about it, you know, they they probably did because they they basically did the same thing when when they conquered the Moorish castles in Portugal. They turned around and then asked their brethren to stay and gave them land to stay mm-hmm. in Port. I mean, yeah, in Portugal. And right. when I was in Sintra, I actually went to a memorial where Templars and Islam um, soldiers had been fighting. And at the end of the war, they were all buried together in the same memorial. There I mean. That was really powerful. And, mm-hmm. and what I was told is that once the war was over, that was it. All that hatchets were buried. People were given land. They all lived together. And that mm-hmm. was harmony. And that's mm-hmm. the way it was. They also let the, the Cathars come in, the Druids come in when they were, and the Jews. Um, they let the Jews come in and protected all of these people that the church considered, you know, her- heretics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I think back, I mean, I think you get little hints, you know, in different films that they put out there. I think it's all strategically done. But one that I I liked was The Kingdom of Heaven with um, Orlando Bloom about mm-hmm. the Templars and the Crusades when uh, Saladin took back, 
you know, the Temple Mount. And what I found to be very interesting was he basically has stated that everyone could stay and everyone would be protected. And if they wanted to leave, no harm would come to them. And that was the Templar way. Right. It was. It was. Saladin had a great deal of respect for the Templars. Uh, yes. You know, everything that you see that's left to us uh, from history, um, you know, his verbiage, the way he described and talked about the Templars, he obviously had a great deal of respect for them. Yes. Yes. But he had them in his in his own circle as well. Right. You know, I mean, there they were very far and wide. The, I think the fact that they made it this far and wide to me is what makes it so fascinating because you hear about them coming to North America. Obviously, you know, there's there's still discoveries being made, which I mean, yours being one of them which basically shows that there is more to be found. And yes. there's and there's so much more, Michelle. You know, Amelia, there, there's so much more that's going to be found too. I mean, I have reason to believe that there's some research that's going to be divulged here real soon. And we're, we're going to see some really exciting discoveries here in the next year. Uh, oh, all absolutely. The world. You know, just, just in my own travels through India and into Istanbul, when I was down in Cappadocia and Derinkuyu, down into the, you know, the tunnels, I saw numerous crosses and evidence that, that showed me that the Templars were in that area. Also in Greece, and after talking with Timothy Hogan, I found out, you know, that yes, indeed, I mean, all the things that I have theorized and but not written about because I didn't, you know, I wasn't sure. I have, have all been corroborated now. Yes, the Templars did organize in Greece and they went from Greece to Constantinople, which is now Istanbul. And mm -hmm. so those crosses and things that I saw that I believed were associated with the Templars were actually associated with the Templars. And in Kuyu, you know, even, sorry, even in this direction, I mean, we had the Duke's on. Last week, they are the grandchildren of Jesse James, and they were talking about Templars. About Jesse's <laughs> connections with the Templars, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that wouldn't surprise me at all. Right? Yeah. Jesse James. Yesterday, Dennis Stone, Stonehenge of America, talks about the Templars. I'm like, wow. You know, right? this you is know, in the U.S. This is in. Yeah, look at all the stuff that we found in North America that points yeah. to the Templars. I mean, there's a tremendous amount. So now we have India, we've got you know, North America, South America, we've got India, we've got Turkey, we've got Africa, of course, we have um, Ethiopia, we have several countries in Africa. You know, it makes I, sense I because that's so where close to Jerusalem. You know, yes. Where are we going to turn up next? <laughs> well, I would imagine any one of the countries in the continents of that side would have been touched by them to, to see evidence of it through you know, Canadian St. Lawrence rivers and into the U.S. is is a little bit shocking still for me. Yeah. Like, it's a little surprising for me. I, I want to see it myself kind of thing, yeah. you know? So oh, I'm like wondering why were they here? So well, you know, the next film, we're getting ready to uh, 
to put this next this next film will be out. We're producing it now, and uh, I have the trailers out on my website. As a matter of fact, so oh, that is going to be an exciting episode because I go inside the cave. I show all these things inside the cave in this next film, and I'm also uh, I interviewing the Kalunga on tape. So that's going to be in the film. I go into the Amazon jungle and spend 10 days with the Huni Queen people, but they weren't the ones that actually guided the Templars. It wasn't their people that guided the Templars, but they knew of tribes that did. Mm -hmm. So they, they were aware of these Europeans that had come in. Um, of course, they can't give you dates because their dates, it, it, they don't think the same way. They, they don't think in a linear way mm -hmm. like you. So we say, you know, 1500, 1700, whatever. They don't think that way. Um, they, they, it's really a beautiful way they do that, you know, the way they do believe though. But everything's all sort of happening at once. They refer to the past, but it's all part of their current uh, traditions and ways. And it was just beautiful living with them. And I actually was, uh, had an amazing experience while I was there. Um, I had been trying to get off anti-rejection medications for five oh. years, six years by this time. And I had been weaning myself. I had been doing a lot of spiritual work around it. Um, the the anti-rejection medications were killing me. They were slowly oh, poisoning so my body. Yeah. And my kidneys were all were now being affected. And I was desperate. Really, I really was serious and desperate about getting off these meds. I had tried the year before. And I was able to get off of them for about six months. And then I had uh, I had an operation where I had my cochlear implant um, so that I could hear better as a result of the nerve damage that were caused by anti-rejection meds. No. Anyway, so to, uh, 2021, I'm, I'm interviewing the Hunig Queen chief. And we have this amazing past life memory that we both share. And so he when he said to me that he had been waiting for me, um, that he knew I was going to come at this time in history and he had been waiting for me and he adopted me as his daughter. So he actually took me into the family and adopted me. And then he asked me if there's anything that I really desired was what my heart's desire in terms of healing, because he invited me into the ayahuasca ceremonies. Mm, very powerful ceremony. I went through the ayahuasca ceremony, the first one, with my, you know, my photographer and my uh, translator, my right. guide. <laughs> and how is that? Because that and can I be, just, that's life-changing. I was just embraced by love. Um, and, it, the, and I stopped taking my anti-rejection meds the day before the ceremony on faith. Mm -hmm. And I haven't had to take any of them since. It's been over two years. Good wow, phenomenal. It's a it's a really life-changing experience. Some people cannot make it like past like just the first hour, you know. Oh, ayahuasca? Just, well, yeah, you really have it. to face yourself, face right. your demons, face everything. You also have to Some face a bucket. Just throw up profusively well, and they just they can't get past that. Right. The, what I had to do was work with the spirit of this liver, the man that gave me the liver, and I had to find out who in the family was still holding on to him. And mm -hmm. I had to meet basically with that person spiritually. Mm -hmm. so that, and it was his wife. Um, let because she's Catholic and she didn't she believed that his liver should have been buried with him. Right. So I had to meet with her basically in the spiritual realm. 
and work through that. That took months, months and months. And That's months. A yeah, tough, families can interfere. Families yeah. can interfere on organ donation, unfortunately. Yeah, well, it doesn't it was, matter what you wish. I had to put it in my will because uh, not you can't just have it on your driver's license. Yeah, it's not something that I advocate for people that have had transplants to do, by the way. It's not because it's a very serious undertaking. It took me six years. It was not something that I just wanted to do and went and did. That's no the way it works. Um, but it did happen for me, and I was able to do it, and I have been you know, anti-rejection uh, anti med free now for over two years. And my doctors are just pleased. They're very pleased because mm -hmm. it was looking like if it kept, if I stayed on those meds, I would have ended up having to have a kidney transplant next. And then God knows where that would have led. So, um, so for mm -hmm. me, it was the right path. I right. don't advocate it. I'm not here to advocate that for other people because no. spiritually, you really have to know what you're doing. Yeah. So essentially yeah. kids follow the advice of your doctors. <laughs> As you know. Yeah. And if you want to be a donor. In case we get any for medical yeah. misinformation. If you want to be a donor, you need to speak to your, do your doctor and yeah, your family. Right. <laughs> and your family. Discuss it with your family is what I'm trying to say. If that's yeah, something you really yeah. want to do. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, for me, it was sort of the end um, or the end of that segment of my grail quest, which is what mm -hmm. our, my book is about. I wrote a book about that whole backstory of discovery of the cave and just the, um, the, the definition of a grail quest and initiation process. Um, and that's, that's what the book is about. It came out in July yeah. and, um, you know, and I talk in depth about about my healing in Peru. The first one where I healed the seven tumors. I talk about you know all the spiritual meetings that I had with specific people, a mm -hmm. nun in France who had been waiting for me. The same thing. I I talk about the ayahuasca ceremony in Peru. I talk about the ayahuasca ceremony in Brazil, and I I go in depth in this um, about what I experienced and the process that I went through. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and I also talk about the cave and I have lots of pictures in there about the cave, um, about the inside of the cave and pictures that over in, in Europe and different places and locations that I knew about at the time mm -hmm. um, that are the same as that are in my cave. So. Right. Right. I think that's amazing. Mm -hmm. So um, you're working on the second documentary, Yes, obviously. So where, like from this point now, do you get to go examine other caves? Have you yes. examined any other caves um, to see if this was something that was territorial or was it just an isolated cave? Well, I've been invited, like I said, I've been invited by the Kalunga back into the Kavakanche, which is where they, this particular tribe of people, um, this is where they own this land. Right. And I have been invited back uh, that they will take me into these caves. And so that's that's hopefully going to happen this next year. When I well, last show, you were talking about going in there with a the metal detector. Did you get to do that? Do you get to do what? Do you remember uh, from on the last show you left off with, I have a metal detector waiting for me. Oh, when yes, I, get back. I had a metal detector. Yeah, okay. that's how I found the gold. 
by the way, oh. I found out that there was gold there, and I gave that I gave that metal detector to the Kalunga as a gift. Oh, uh, yeah. That's fantastic. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. I'm glad you got to do it. I was wondering <laughs> how that went. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, so. one thing one thing led to the next, you know, this has just been this on this ongoing quest, you know, yes. that keeps getting bigger and more exciting. And you know, the more I look, the more is revealed and the more questions that I have. Yeah. That's always the way. Now, did, did the people in the area ever find artifacts? Like, do they have anything stowed away or anything they were able to show you have artifacts ever been found no the, the what the kalunga told me um and the reason i'm not finding artifacts is because they took everything that was everything that wasn't you know part of the earth right. um, to survive they repurposed every single thing they found they um traded the gold through other people a lot of the gold um to survive Right. They were they were desperate, you know, they were desperate to survive. And uh, so I, I completely understand. But there wouldn't there's no, nobody's going to find. I don't think we're going to find any artifacts. I think the only thing we're going to find is, um, you know, the symbols in the caves, unless there's a cave that nobody has found yet. Um, well, maybe there, there I mean, samplers in, in Europe that believe that I am going to find the treasure. Right. So you figure that they buried it there. I mean, some cave systems are very extensive, so you never know. Right. But what happened to your Templars? Do you th they just sort of, you know, blended in with the community and remained like they didn't leave? Absolutely. Yeah, I do believe that they they blended in with the, with the, the locals. You know, they're basically the, the the order itself had been dissolved in 1314 so they were no longer bound by their vows of chastity mm. so they um, i think at that point they they married into the locals the the little the ranch that was just below the cave probably 10 kilometers below the cave which is actually in a, you know, borders in a little town called moino um, was actually the locals have told me that that was actually a Templar property. And that's where I found that mill wheel that matched the one in Tomar and also matched the one in Sintra. It was exactly the same. Um, and those are both early uh, 1200s. Wow. Europe. So, so this property, and the woman has a sluice box on the property. <laughs> so... That's that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Do you think you'll find a cemetery where the, they'll have the symbols? No, I didn't find any symbols on her land, but then I didn't really search. You know, I just, I only went into the areas that she allowed me to go into. So, you know. Wow. Maybe well, next time you'll be able to get into more. <laughs> okay. I have to hold that thought because we have to do a station and sponsor ID. Yes, it's that time. Yes, because we know. haven't had enough technical difficulties tonight, the two of us. So, <laughs> yeah, it's the end of the week, kids. You are listening to the Outer Realm with Michelle DeRoche and Amelia Fasano coming to you live from the gorgeous city of New Orleans on 105.3 and 107.7 FM radio, as well as Roku channel. And hopefully by the new year, we'll have some news for you. And that's all I can say. Our special guest tonight is dear friend, 
and of course, special guest and expert <laughs> and artist and beautiful and everything magical. Dr. Kathleen Ann Ball is with us and she's giving us more information and details about her mysterious Knights Templar cave in Brazil. And we shared some pictures too. So I suggest if you're hitting audio, you might want to, you know, if you're just tuning in, wait for the archive and watch it on our YouTube channel so that you can participate because we love a good show and tell here at the outer realm just saying if you're just tuning in and you missed it don't worry about it just stream us on any archives i mean stream our archives rather sorry on any platform you normally use simply search united public radio network and then look for the outer realm with michelle and amelia and you'll find all our archives there and you can listen to the previous shows with kathleen as well so don't forget to share us there either. And um, we're coming up on our 400th episode this month, Michelle. 400. And only because of <clears throat> the wonderful people at Folgers Coffee for your continued support. Thank you so much for sponsoring our show from literally day one. And that was in 2020, I believe. And we are heading to four years with you and we are so grateful and we deeply appreciate all that you do for us our fabulous banner and promo media is a horror illustrator i am so tongue-tied today that's enough <laughs> seriously <know>. enough <laughs> what a rough day uh we want to give a big shout out to steve mcginnis he is a horror illustrator a fantastic artist and it's not just horror so if you like his work and who doesn't you can check, you can contact Steve. He creates commission pieces as well, and he can be found on all social media platforms. Loving our intro because we do, and we love the man behind the intro. Thank you to Dr. Snick, the sonic surgeon. Justin Snicker is an award winning composer, a vocalist, and a musician. And you can also find his music on Amazon, Bandcamp, any platform that you stream on. Check him out. He's fantastic. You can find Dr. Snick on Facebook and Instagram. And as I've said before, he posts the coolest little videos with his music. They're so phenomenal. And if you are doing stories on Instagram or on social media, search Dr. Snick and you can use his clips for your stories. They're a lot of fun and we just love his music. Now, if you're watching us on Facebook Live or YouTube, please make sure to give us a like. Hit that subscribe button right now if you're watching us on The Outer Realm YouTube. Hit subscribe and like, please, and thank you. And don't forget to share us with your friends and family. And we're back. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to address this one. <laughs> um, yeah, well, Kathleen did a documentary on her um discovery of the Knights Templar cave in Brazil so it's on Gaia is that correct it's still on yes Gaia, it's still on Gaia till the end of the year and um, and then we're going to see what we're going to we haven't decided exactly what we're going to do we have a couple offers and some options so I'm just not sure which way we're going to go with it but until December 31st it is available on Gaia TV um you can also stream it on Amazon and um yeah and it's it's the brazilian templars mystery and it's uh you know we we just hit 100 what was 100 no, 579,000 
100 and something views. Beautiful. Good for you. Congratulations. And there is Beautiful. nothing like a great historical documentary around the holidays to watch with your family. It really is. It's It makes for great conversation, keeps you from fighting with half of them. And it's just phenomenal. Like who wouldn't want to sit down with their family and watch that? We watch all kinds of historical. We watch religious stories. This is this is something that is so important and in present in our daily lives. It's happening as we're living. I think it's important for everybody to, you know, try to get try to watch that if you can, and you know, or subscribe to Gaia. I mean, they have phenomenal <laughs> shows, and then you can get you can watch Kathleen's work because she is phenomenal. <laughs> Thank you. So, what's next? What's next well, for you with all of this? Well, I I really had a chance while I was writing the book to reflect on the actual grail aspect of my okay. own journey throughout from the time of my near-death experience in 1990 all the way up to the discovery of the cave and beyond and to the healing that happened, which is also, you know, oftentimes compared to the end of a grail quest because the the, the grail li the liquid in the in the um, in the uh, chalice is right. supposed to heal right it's supposed to heal the uh, the person that's on the quest right. and so that's been something that's been associated now this is what I was saving for for now <laughs> <laughs> yay <laughs> in depth conversation with Timothy Hogan. I found out that the fifth step in the alchemical process is to take the white powder, the calcinated powder, and turn that into a red liquid. And guess what that liquid's called? The blood of Christ. Mm. Even more important, the mm. chemical, the chemi many of the chemical um, breakdown, the chemistry of it, is very similar to ayahuasca. Wow, wow, wow. So this would make huh. sense that I would have an ending to that portion of my grail quest, a healing with ayahuasca. Wow. Right, right. Never would I put the two together. I, I hadn't until... I just knew that it intuitively, I knew that I had been on my own grail quest and I had mm -hmm. been through initiations. I had been studying Kabbalah for what, 40 years. That's all, that's all ancient mystery school I, stuff. I, I yeah. knew that I was doing, I was following my own initiatory path and I was on my own quest. But when I found out that that liquid had the same properties as ayahuasca, I was just like, well, that makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Total mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there is that fifth process in the alchemy. In, in alchemy, okay. that, you know, after mm -hmm. you calcinate and you get that white powder that's considered mana or mana. Right. That's right. That, that's right. You know that, um, that that's Moses gave to the people, right? While yes. they were in the desert. That mana um, is, is very powerful also. But yes. the next stage is actually a healing, has healing properties. And so, I mean, that, that just absolutely blew my mind because that's exactly what happened to me. Mm -hmm. Right, right. And uh, I, I, it makes you think about how many faithful 
would the thought of alchemy that's like witchcraft to some people and so this sort of a combination right. you know how do you yeah. think that would go over? well the other thing about it is that you know the other thing i found out is that that a, a grail quest can be taken by anyone yes all i had yes. no idea what i was doing i never had any idea of what i was doing while i was doing it all i was doing was following my inner promptings you were led and my intuition that's, that's all right. i ever did yeah yes. led and called yeah it you led, led. The whole process that's now been 33 and almost 34 years later here we are right and i have, I have discovered a cave i've met with nuns i've met you know all these things have happened mm -hmm. and you know that has been my quest that has been my Thank own Right. Well, do you do you oh sorry Michelle no no go ahead oh thank you do you feel that perhaps in a past life <laughs> seriously <laughs> why not absolutely. absolutely right that's what I'm wondering if you're reliving it to bring it back to life and bring the story forward right there there is no other explanation for you know that none my husband was just absolutely flabbergasted he didn't know what to think when we got to um, Marseille and that nun opened up the cathedral door and grabbed me and started crying and holding me and hugging me and telling me, I've been waiting for you, madame. I've been waiting for you. You know, mm -hmm. I waited and when you, I learned English in college so that when you came, I could speak with you and, you know, hustled me off into her, uh, you know, into her studio study and drew me this map and, and I went on this map and it was a whole nother spiritual experience that happened. But my point is, is there has been no accidents. These are not accidents. These, mm. it's told twice by two different Templars that this is my destiny. Absolutely. You've had mm -hmm. some huge traumatic experiences to get you there as right. well, like life changing experiences that, you know, came that's, in that's and said, That's because she was supposed to way. be pushed into the direction and they want to yes. make sure you couldn't turn back. Exactly. You were you meant know? to only go forward and they, it, it, the life events made it so you couldn't turn back. Right. You could only move in one direction and that was forward with this. Right. That's a calling. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even down to the fire, you know, the fire liquidated everything I owned. Basically. That's right. Travel light. Some <laughs> funds to be able to continue the quest. I know. Travel and, light. I right. Mean, so, you and can't take all that with you. It, none of that stuff really matters anyway. We don't take any of it with us. Yeah, and exactly. Important in the spiritual realm. I can tell you that from my near-death experience. None of that stuff matters. No. Right. Absolutely none of it. It's right. only here for our purposes of growth. That's all. It's all tools. All that stuff yes. is just tools to use for our spiritual growth. And some fun things. And as we achieve things, if we have we put a goal ahead of us, we have to jump through certain challenges and certain hoops. And that's what the money is used for is to get through those hoops and whatnot, right. Right? And all that stuff. But that's really all is so that we can go in the on the physical plane that we can have our own spiritual journey, which is going to benefit us when we get to the other side. That's right. That's right. No, I I think it's it's exciting. I'm I'm 
I commend you for your perseverance because you did have to go through some pretty big hoops, oh. um, <laughs> right? And I am really excited to hear about the next leg of all this, going down there and being able to explore the other caves just to see if there, there was something, if, if it was even bigger than what you think it is, right. or, you know, centered to one cave, it maybe they maybe things just sort of got spread around because they knew the Spanish were in the area. They knew people were, you know, conquesting and trying to get gold and everything else. They would have had to have been so strategic about where they put things. Oh, absolutely. You know, I mean, I would not be surprised one bit if, if I if I found, the, you know, a, a portion of the treasure. Personally, I think it's been dispersed in different parts of the world. I agree. I don't think that any of it was buried. I don't think it was buried all in one place. No. I think that these that things would have been silly locations. Absolutely. Yes. Negligent, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, yeah. and if I didn't discover it, I've already told the Templars um, that I will turn it over to them. I don't have any interest other than my, you know, just historically documenting. And I want to photograph and I want to research whatever it is if I do discover it. But as far as the physical property, I want it to go to the Templars because that's who it belongs to, from mm -hmm. my opinion, the way I feel about it. Right. And I, since I align myself with their agenda, um, you know, I, I believe that it should go to them to further that agenda and that that's the purpose for it. And, uh, and with that is actually the title of my of my book that's going to be coming out next year, too. I'm in the process now of um, I'm on about the sixth chapter of uh, the Templar Agenda, which is oh, I love oh, it. Oh, I love that. I see another episode in the making. Great <laughs> titles. I know. I know. Great titles. Yeah. And my cat is just too. I, I, I laugh because as soon as you put the sign, the cat was Ooh, nowhere to be seen until you put the banner back up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the cat's back. I'm <laughs> a 15 year old. He's underneath the Templar robes. I, I got know. these robes, by the way, when I was in Tomar. They were given to me in Tomar. They're and, beautiful. Uh, I had a black and white. I, his <laughs> yeah. name is Popeye. So they're, they're <laughs> actual Templar, Templar robes from Tomar, Portugal. Very nice. Beautiful. Very he just nice. meander through them, you know, and explore and everything. So yeah, that's okay. I love it. I love it. Um, the you you know when people say treasure, I'll I'll put this in two parts. What do you think the treasure is, and what makes you so sure that it's gold, physical treasure? know that there that it would even contain gold it may, it may contain some items that are made of gold um uh, but i really think you know and i and i don't doubt that there probably is a tremendous amount of, of you know maybe gold and silver involved in this but i really think that there's genealogy records that there's um, a whole lot of yeah. ancient spiritual knowledge of our planet that has been passed down for centuries and I talked about this in my first book because I believe this is really important that the Templars, the initiations and the practices that the inner circle of the Templars were involved in were not something that they just came up with. They, from what I can see, stem all the way back to Lemuria. So they were, they were practiced in Sumer. They were practiced in Egypt. They mm -hmm. were practiced, you know, in the Holy mm -hmm. Land, East, mm -hmm. 
That's why you they would have had to have, you would have had to hide stuff like that. Yeah. Even in the and time of the would. Gnostics, you know? Yeah, you would. You would have had to keep this under wraps, yes. especially in the Middle Ages, you know, you especially in yes. the Middle Ages. But all through time, I and mean, even if you look all the way back to Sumer to Sumer, mm -hmm. we have um, you know, we had these these hierarchies, this these groups of people that mm -hmm. we whatever you want to call them, demigods, whatever you want to call yes. them that controlled things and and they had an agenda that they were you know that they have brought forward all the way to today mm -hmm. we're living in it we see it right now it's going on amongst absolutely. us absolutely absolutely this, yeah. this information this knowledge had to been secretly passed down for centuries hundreds yeah. and hundreds thousands and thousands of years and i believe that that is probably the bulk of a lot of what we're going to find in these tempered treasures once they are um, discovered. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. I mean, if you go back even to, like, again, I go back to the Gnostics. I mean, they their knowledge of the stars and, yes. and the beings from the stars, and you know, they were just more connected. They were just wiser. They would have been looked at as heretics, heretics of some sort. You know, then you get into the Essenes and you get into the Cathars and this is all passed down even from the Gnostics. So where did the Gnostics get it from? You know, so if you just keep going back. Absolutely, it's all passed down. And if I'm correct about <clears throat> the origination being in um, Lemuria, you know, my personal belief about Lemuria and Atlantis is Lemuria came first, Atlantis yeah. came later. Lemuria was a, a an epic um, in our evolutionary process mm -hmm. that we were not functioning primarily with the mental process that we did not, we were not driven by our brains, right. um, that that was, that, that that was played down. Right. When right. Atlantis came into being, that's when the mental, um, you know, the technology and all the mental processes uh, came into being. And that was the beginning of the stage of our of our evolutionary stage of developing the mental brain. Mm -hmm. But up until then, during the Lemurian stage, everything was intuitive. And the Egyptian Kamishan people talk about this, a time yes. when there was 360 senses is what they call they, mm -hmm. That's the way they describe it. And what that means, which is difficult to, if you can imagine, you know, um, speech, taste, touch, sight, blah, 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 yes, right? Yes. We have five supposed senses today. 360, you go, oh, my God, what could that possibly be? Well, basically, we innately understood a tree. Mm. We innately understood and can communicate with the stars. That's right. And the planets. Right. And the cosmos. Mm -hmm. And we understood all that, and we passed it down genetically. And this is what I believe our DNA holds mm -hmm. is the memory of all of existence from the beginning of three-dimensional reality. Absolutely. I mean, even now there's so much, you know, they're doing researches on ancestral imprinting, you know, just, just like you have this urge, you know, oh, it must be a past life or maybe it's just ancestral. Right. Yeah. Because if your uncle can draw and all of a sudden you're an artist, it runs in your genes. Similar. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. so um, I, I think it's it's fascinating. It, it's definitely it's passed down. And we talked about this before. You know, I have Jeffers yeah. 
on my father's side of the family. So my mom's side, yeah. I've Templars in my genes, and so do yes. you. Yes. You have to think, okay, biologically. I was in my mom's womb with already she she had me. I was in there with her eggs, my eggs, and my daughter's future eggs. Mm -hmm. It goes back, and that has to have something that carries through. Mm -hmm. Yes, it has to. Yes. So, a uh, couple, one question, one comment. Um, they could have very well have had that knowledge that King Solomon Absolutely. had used. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. That yeah. they would have the knowledge of King Solomon. I do believe that. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. And, and question. Oh, go ahead. Then that goes that goes that goes to the evolutionary stages. With each evolutionary stage, we're going, we're coming into a new one now. Right. Um, but with each evolutionary stage, we have abilities within that realm of the evolutionary stage that mm -hmm. will help us or assist us in achieving <coughs> you know, the fruition of that stage, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. during Solomon's time, there was a lot of magic that were they called magic. He was and a magician, basically, he was a magician <laughs> right. who stood um, not only, you know, the, the what they call the white uh, practices, but the dark also. Of course, well. he stood because he was a perfect balance of those. So <laughs> I, able, I get that. Yes. Right, so he was able to yeah. command demons. He was able to um, do a lot of things. Now, see these things. I believe we were able to do freely in Lemuria. We were able to manipulate you know, rocks and stones. And, and that's where I see, you know, when we see in Peru, we see these huge stones that are so, well, we see it all over together. I know you can't even get a thread through it now. They're so close together. You can't yes. even get a piece of paper. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And I personally believe that they were softening the stone. Right. Wow. Yeah, very interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. I believe that they had had understanding of the like I saw in my dream with the fire. Right. They had such an ability and understanding of the elements, the subatomic elements, that they were able to change them. They were able mm -hmm. to manipulate them mm -hmm. to achieve things that we just forgot we were able to do. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, we, I, we'll be sorry. able to do that again. I do believe that we will be able to do that again once we tame the mental part of our being. Well, and once they stop suppressing us. <laughs> it is pretty much run amok at this point. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, for sure, for sure. Okay, here's an out there question. Amelia, can you see this? Yeah, I okay, can. Um, Genesis, I'm going to throw this out <laughs> I know where there. you're going with it. <laughs> Go but do you think that the Templars went all over the earth by way of UFOs? There's yeah. a reason why I asked that. Well, this is an interesting question because I've also had people ask me, did the Templars travel interdimensionally? Yeah. And there's some, you know, there's some, um, there's some people that believe there's some uh, research that points to the fact that the UFOs, that many of them are popping in and out of dimension. That's correct. Time, time zones, right? That's right. Now, if the Templars had this ability, I don't know. I'm not aware and I haven't had any research um, that has that has proved or showed me that at all. Not I so guess it, it, I think it would depend on what knowledge are they caretakers of. Yeah, I, I, I'm open to 
all mm -hmm. possibilities. That's how I work. I right. have it all open until I start seeing facts. And when I start seeing evidence and facts, of then course. I start piecing something together. Of course. I just, I just recently, as a matter of fact, this is really interesting. Um, I always believed that there were UFOs. I always believed that there were people from aliens, whatever you want to call them. And when I was a child, I used to go out in my backyard and we had this swing set back there. And I used to ask the aliens to come down and get me as long as they could bring me home by dinner so I didn't get in trouble. Well, they never did. They never did. Can't miss a meal, family. <laughs> so I started doubting the fact that there might even be UFOs, right? Well, last year I was driving home from my daughter's on Highway 9 in the Santa Cruz Mountains and I saw my first UFO. <laughs> ah, congratulations. <laughs> First that you know of, that you remember, yeah. you may have, yeah, you may have, but we're heading up to the top of the hour. So this is a part where you promote yourself. What do you have coming up? How can people find you? How can people find the book and so on? Well, they can find me on the website at uh, www.templarsinbrazil.com. You can also uh, find me on YouTube, um, Templars, also a, the Grail Quest um, YouTube channel. You can find me on TikTok now, on Instagram, Templars in Brazil. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, and I also have two Facebook pages the Templars in Brazil, and also Kathleen Ann Ball. And okay. another thing I wanted to bring up is my book is available on Amazon. You can also order it by contacting me through any of those venues and ask me to send you a book, and I will send you an author's signed author's copy, which will be a couple dollars cheaper than what they're selling it on Amazon.com. So um, anyone who wants a signed copy, that's the way to do it. And like, and then the film is out. Of course, the Templars in or the Brazilian Templars mystery is out on Gaia TV, and the next film will be coming out next year. And my next, my book, the Templars Agenda, will also be coming out next year. So, mm -hmm. well, you that stay awesome. in touch with us, and you let us know when all this is coming to play, and uh, you come and share all that information with us. We'd love to love to hear all about it. Yeah, well, when I get back from Portugal, I'll definitely get a hold of you because I know Please. there's going to be so much more. <laughs> we Absolutely. should have Hamilton join us as well. He yes. just adores you. Yeah, we'll make right. it a party. <laughs> we'll well, it's been party. wonderful to get together with you again. I just love, I just love talking with both of you. Anyway, it's just oh, thank it's you. so much fun having you. You're just I such a joy. So, no, thank you. We You're love just such you a on. joy. We love, like, thank you for sharing all the information, like so many great updates. And, you know, we're just so excited for you to be able to continue on and make these incredible discoveries. And, and it's fantastic that you're sharing it all with the world because it needs to be shared. That history needs to, to get out there. So, um, okay. Um, okay. The website. Okay. What is it, Kathleen? They want me to put it in. Templars in Brazil. Is it what? What's the name of the website? Templars in Brazil. Uh, the website is yes. Yeah, it's it's uh, www.templarsinbrazil.com. Templars yeah. in Brazil. It's an easy one to remember. And which one? There. Well, they're asking. Somebody asked me to put it in chat. Yeah. So I'm putting oh, it on okay. all the platforms. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Everybody's got Templars it now. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. 
yeah. on seven different platforms. So I will be in touch with you. I will send you some links and please keep in touch. And Absolutely. Um, we will do this again. I wish you both a uh, wonderful, wonderful holiday. You as and, well. Uh, you as well. Yes. You're, you're in our, our thoughts and you're in my prayers. And I, I pray everything goes really well and for your daughter-in-law as well. well. Thank you so much. Yeah. And same to you. Same to thank you. Thank you. I keep her in my prayers as well. Thank you so much, Kathleen. Yeah, we've been staying in contact. You've been a great support. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Hi. Thank you, Kathleen. Good night. Yeah. Have a good one. Good night. Good night. <laughs> bye bye. Well, time to sign off, guys. We've had another terrific show. That's like a double whammy this week. So thank you all for tuning in. You just make it. Honestly, you guys make this so much more fun. So thank you all for tuning in. Big thank you to Folgers Coffee for sponsoring tonight's show. Big thank you to Justice Snickers, Seabrook Guinness. Huge thank you to Dr. Kathleen Ann Ball. Wow, what an incredible journey that she's on. And I hope she just finds everything she's looking for. In fact, I will wish it for her. Oh, so love her energy. Tomorrow night, we welcome back Deborah Thunderbolt. And tomorrow, she, she's just next week. Uh, tomorrow night, next Wednesday. <laughs> God, I, think it's, I was looking at where it says Wednesday. Anyway, next Wednesday, uh, yes, De Deborah comes I'm like, back. I'm not going to be here tomorrow. <laughs> I know. Deborah returns, and, and she's yes. going to be talking about the 22 DNA strand oh, activation. She's fun. Yes. Ooh. Open up, get ready for some really interesting stuff. This woman is amazing oh, yeah. to start with, but this is what she's known for. Yeah. And this wait. is something that you do not going to want to miss. Thursday night, we welcome for the very first time Nicole Magic. <laughs> it's just I had to have to look at the name. Um, so her little her write-up is she encounters or she's encountered with extraordinary occurrences in her life, or the encounters, sorry. Um, let me just start that over. The encounters with extraordinary occurrences in her life sparked a profound desire within her to assist individuals in reshaping their connections with themselves, money, and others, ultimately enabling them to attain the level of success that they aspire to achieve. See, December, guys, lighthearted month did mm -hmm. you know it's all happy so lighthearted month you know we might throw in a kind of like a spookier too because you know it's the other realm we have to do something like that with you Carol. know but with Carol, next week, just a little bit <laughs> yeah i've been pretty lighthearted and fun so yeah. um that's what you get to look forward to so i hope you all have a terrific weekend and we will see you all next week thank you and good night